Hello and welcome to episode 18 of Sitting In with Charlie Allen. Thank you so much to everybody who submitted questions for this episode. Your questions have directly helped structure the uh, the flow of this conversation, I guess. <laughs> so thank you uh, for submitting those. If you don't know who Charlie is, Charlie is a London-based guitarist and artist. He's played with some of the biggest names around and has made a name for himself for his ultra-precise, groovy and all-round slinky playing. It's, uh, it's the good stuff. And we spoke all about that, as well as background, you know, how he practices, what he's practicing, and, uh, and much more in this episode. As always, thank you so much to everybody who's been sharing the podcast on social media. And if you haven't already or don't want to, uh, that's fine. But it would be good if you did. <laughs> Recording in progress. Cool, man. All right, Charlie, it's great to have you on the podcast. How are you doing, man? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Oh, it's, it's a pleasure. It's definitely, when I put out the question thing on Instagram, there's been more kind of engagement on this one than some of the other ones. A lot of people really? know all about cool. like how you sound so good. What is the secret sauce? <laughs> so hopefully we can get into that later. But um, I think generally, I mean, one thing I'm really interested in and I know everybody else is, is how did you, I guess, how did you get where you are? You know, what got you interested in guitar back whenever it was? uh so i i i kind of got into all this around 13 12 13 14 i think i started playing when i was just turned just turned 14 or late yeah just about to turn 14 uh and i had a friend of mine in school who i used to sit next to in science and he he said you know do you know about this thing called Quran? right and it's like that's the rock channel on sky right you know yeah. i didn't have sky right at home uh, and i said no i don't know about it but he said i i've seen it at mates houses and he was like right well if you if you bring in a um a vhs a videotape i'll record some stuff off of, you know off of the tv for you amazing so i did and i went, I went home and I, I the next day i brought it back <clears throat> and uh he went away with it and then came back a few days later with uh um you know, guns and roses and oh. metallica and i think those are the two kind of main ones it was videos of like paradise city and stuff Amazing. like that yeah. and um and and brought it back and i just watched it to death i think and i had played violin since i was seven. Oh wow um but that's that's kind of how i started i guess musically um, right and my uh you know i just became obsessed with wanting an electric guitar and wow. you know begged my parents to you know buy, buy me one and, then, and the, the, the deal was that if i got my grade four violin i think it was uh i could i could they buy me a guitar so they you know i did and i don't think i ever picked up the violin ever again oh wow <laughs> did you find that the transfer from violin to guitar was uh it must have helped a lot at that age. i think so i think i think it was um it was fairly it felt natural um mm-hmm. the other thing is i'm, I'm left-handed you know when it comes to most things but i play guitar right-handed ah. and i feel like that might have been different had i not played violin uh, right because i already because you know you, you never see anyone playing violin left-handed you know, no. you know so that, that felt kind of very natural to kind of start with certainly in the left hand right hand but i used to do stuff like you know i, I was kind of obsessed with it for a while so i used to like i borrowed a guitar off of like a a friend uh a friend's dad like before any of this happened right and so i think he'd given me a couple of like a couple of plectrums or whatever and i used to just 
mess around on my violin playing with a pick and stuff like that you know just just desperately wanting to you know play guitar yeah. so so that's that's kind of the start i i i had in all of this wow. in terms of kind of getting me going mm. um, were, were there any songs or like specific experiences you had early on that were like pivotal and making you think like oh yeah this is this is for me i i went up i went up to my room after i got it you know got all the stuff you know and, you know the lamp and whatever i i bought the first i bought i bought an issue of guitarist magazine and in the back of it, it had, uh, this was at the time when, you know, it still came with a CD. Mm-hmm. And in the back, it used to have this thing called Classic Tracks. And it just so happened that that month was, uh, I think it was War Pigs by Black Sabbath. Cool. So I just loved that, you know, anyway. I couldn't play that, uh, but I decided that the first song I was going to learn was going to be Paranoid by Black Sabbath. Cool. Kind of set me on that. And I think I spent about, yeah, I spent about two weeks trying to get that first riff down and cool. uh um eventually it kind of happened and i think at the same time my my parents had kind of you know in the room below in the living room when they're watching tv i was blasting out black sabbath and stuff they kind of recognized some of this music that i was playing and i remember going out one day i'd been somewhere and i came back and my dad had my dad had tidied my room and that was a weird thing yeah right (laughs) but he'd also set up uh he'd also yeah i know he'd also set up this old uh this old set of speakers um this old amp and turntables turntable sorry um which he had as a as a student i think and gave me a a box it sounds super hipster doesn't it gave me a little case of vinyl uh uh, an espresso machine (laughs) camax yeah And, and well he just showed me how to use it and um you know he had stuff in there like uh dark side of the moon pink floyd loads of zeppelin uh my mum's a big you know free fan so that was in there there was actually some stevie wonder in there as well uh my mum's a big sort of soul motown fan as well so i'd had all of that from an earlier age as well but he showed me how to use all this stuff i didn't know how i didn't know that you could change a track you know by looking on the on the vinyl for like the Mm-hmm. The, the gaps and the grooves but so i just i would just put on if i wanted to play it on to say like track three of a record right. or whatever, i just put it on at the start and instead of like waiting to you know play along with that tune i just try and figure out everything else so mm. um that was really the kind of first few years for me right did you find it yeah. difficult or i guess my question is were you like a classically trained violin player or was it more i don't know uh, i i was I was always awful at reading music. Um, I just, there's something, I still can't do it, uh, in terms of sight reading. So, so there would be, I remember the things I found easy in, in playing violin, one of which was kind of, I could make it sound okay to my ear. Right. I didn't sound like, I felt like I didn't sound like the other kids who started at the same time as me, it was all scratchy and stuff like that. Yeah. So I could somehow get a kind of richer sound out of it, uh, but I couldn't read. And I couldn't, you know, they'd put a piece of music in front of me and you know, teachers that I would have and go, right, off you go. And I could I could tell you what the notes were, the names of the notes, but like, I just couldn't do it. Um, but if somebody played me something or I could hear it, generally speaking, I could play it back pretty quickly and work right. it out. And, and yeah, so that kind of was the, I guess the main thing that really carried over into kind of guitar playing. That's cool. Um, yeah. I think just being able to work stuff out 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's something that uh, you'll... But no, the... the... Oh, sorry. sorry. I feel like there might be a bit of delay here because when I say something, like you stop two minutes later. I think so, yeah. But we'll, we'll keep going with this. Um, what I was going to say is, I mean, that's a skill that you're going to have built your whole life up until now and it'll still be helping you in sessions. And, you know, it's like an invaluable thing to have learned at such a young age. And um, yeah, I think that that's cool, man. What about kind of developing through that age of like, you know, the Black Sabbath days? Like what what got you into playing you know, the kind of stuff you do nowadays. Hey, sorry for interrupting the podcast. I'll just be one minute. If you're receiving value from this podcast, consider supporting me by getting some of the sitting in merch. From teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash sitting dash in dash podcast. That's T-E-E-S-P-R-I-N-G dot com forward slash stores forward slash sitting dash in dash podcast. Um... Probably, I mean, joining joining the music scene in Bristol. I'm from I'm from just outside. I'm about a half an hour outside of uh, Bristol, in a little near a town called Malmesbury, is where I grew up. Um, and when I moved to Bristol when I was uh, 19, I kind of started involving myself in the music scene there throughout my 20s, um, like early 20s, and that kind of exposed me to a bit more. Um, I guess some, you know, some jazz players, I guess, uh, which I found kind of interesting. And then I threw them, you know, through, you know, a few other guitar players discovered uh, players like Matt Schofield and then through, you know, through him, Robin Ford. And that really, finding Robin Ford really kind of got me started on, I guess, how I sound now. Mm. Um, he was a, you know, just, a, just a huge influence, I guess. Yeah. Um, that's cool. I remember getting into Robin Ford's stuff via yeah. a guitar player called Henrik. Well, what was the name? Henrik Frischladder. Do you know him? Yeah, I do know of him. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah, player. I've seen him do like a. Yeah, yeah, he's a beast. Uh, I forget that tune. It's a really funky, like, funny song. Uh, what's my name? But there's or some what? absolutely raging guitar player. Yeah, we could do, 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 but ever, do. what's my motherfucking name? That yeah, 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 that's the one. Yeah. That's the I one. love that. Yeah, that's the one. So good. But, um, yeah, great. Cool, man. So, did you go to university or have any like kind of formal education between that time? Because, you know, the music scene. Yeah, so. Hmm. Yeah, so. Yeah, so throughout my teens, I kind of played in bands or whatever, covers bands, local bands or whatever. Moved to. Bristol at 19 and did a degree in graphic design. Oh, wow. Uh, you, uh, I guess music. I, I kind of realized that through just sort of doing A-levels and A, AS level music, GCSE music, I didn't really enjoy studying it. It wasn't, I, I don't know. I, I enjoyed the playing part of it. Uh, I just loved playing. And I didn't really think I looked into it enough at the time. I didn't really know you could do kind of, performance-based degrees and stuff like that you know mm. certainly like I know about now um uh and I'd always been into art and kind of good at that uh right. so yeah when and when and studied graphics um played throughout that time just with you know bands at, at uni or whatever mm-hmm. and then after I after I graduated I was working uh working a couple of design jobs and 
found myself kind of falling kind of quite heavily into Bristol scene, um, playing lots of gigs there with bands, going down to the jams, um, you know, meeting loads of people, and then you know quickly realizing that actually my day job and what I'd kind of chosen to study wasn't really what I wanted to do. Right. So I went kind of through a period of time where I would be as, I was just trying to be out as much as possible uh, because I wanted, I knew I wanted to make that change and shift over to play music professionally. Um, so I would be, I'd be out for work at 7.30 and out, doing, you know, out at jams, you know, gigs or whatever, hanging out until 3 a.m., yeah, you know, man. far too many times a week. Uh, <laughs> and it was, looking back on that, and I actually, uh, I spoke to somebody about, I spoke to Jack about this recently. Um, right. uh, and I don't know how, I don't know how I did that, looking man. back at it. I, I guess you were just again. young. and I couldn't do that. Yeah, it's um, it's certainly a yeah, tough I lifestyle mean, huh? I, I just I just remember I think I felt broken for about 10, 10 to twelve months I think just just trying to make it work and I gradually kind of managed to get my um, my employer at the time to kind of give me less so I, I ended up doing like three days a week and right. so because I was because I was kind of the more and more I was getting involved in the scene I was kind of missing out and stuff I, I couldn't couldn't make rehearsals and stuff like that because yeah got a day job. And the other thing is I just, I, I found it hard to find the time to shed practice. Yeah. Like I needed to get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I'd kind of fallen in with some musicians who were just all better than me, all had studied or whatever. Right. Uh, and, you know, I didn't have that time. So yeah, they, they, I managed to get my employer to, to let me go down to three days a week. Amazing. And oh, then cool. from there, I probably did like I probably did like a couple of months or three days a week, and then by that point it was like, well, you know, time I might go. as well just. It's now or never, you know. I might as well just do it. So, yeah. Oh well, I mean, was, we're we're all immensely glad you took that leap of faith. <laughs> it's um, <laughs> it's great. Well, I guess on on that, I think a lot of the questions we got on Instagram are about practice. So it might be good for us to just go through some of those just now, since you uh, you've kind of touched on it. Cool. And uh, for those who listen, yeah. there shouldn't be too much of a delay by the time I edit this. But uh, if you're wondering why the conversation might not be flowing as smooth, it's because Charlie and I have a delay of, I don't know how long, to be honest. <laughs> um, but anyway, so no. it's all right. <clears throat> it's all right. Um, we're not being rude to each other and speaking over. Um, so one question I want to ask you, Charlie, is how did you get your um, your playing to sound so rhythmically tight? Because I think one of the things that I notice about your playing is that it's just so bloody tight and the best way possible. You know, it's like, yeah. Thank you. Um, well, one, I, I guess a band that I fell in with pretty early on in, uh, when I was living in Bristol, uh, is a funk band called the LBJBs, uh, kind of like a nod to the whole JBs thing. Yep. Uh, and we used to have a residency every Thursday at this place called the Left Bank. Um, and the lineup was just drums, bass, guitar, saxophone, and vocals. Uh, nice. And we're doing all this kind of JB style stuff. So it's a, like a real, like, it's like a skeleton crew playing, you know, uh, you know, music which was played by, you know, bands with like 15 people in it or whatever. Yep. Um, 
so I had a huge amount of space to occupy as a guitar player. I was the harmony, I was the kind of glue, and, and, and it also has to be stylistically right as rhythm. So um, that gig there on a Thursday, I think really helped me develop my rhythm, just kind of constantly just locking in and thinking about things like, you know, because quite often we just, we just, we jam out on these one chord functions and you've got to make it interesting somehow, but you've also got to keep the kind of spirit of it alive by repetition and um, that kind of rhythmic, uh, hypnotic kind of thing. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think a lot of that, that rhythmic stuff came from that and just, you know, came in 16s for four hours on a Thursday night every week. And then, you know, as the band kind of developed out of this residency, we were doing, you know, gigs on weekends and stuff like that as well. So, so I, I really kind of learned to do it through that. And then just a ton of listening to, you know, all that old funk stuff really. Um, Because it's so in the pocket. So, because if it's not, it just doesn't feel right. Yeah. Um, and stuff like, you know, if, you, if you've got like a part and you're repeating it, and this is something that I guess I've carried over into practice as well. Um, you know, I used to do it on this gig. So, I, you know, I'd just be playing behind a saxophone player or, you know, just on a D9 for cool. ever. Yeah. Uh, uh, how can I, like every time the, the two bar phrase or the four bar phrase comes around, can I play it better than the last time? Like, can I like sit it in there? Right. Um, I guess it's kind of like zoning out. Like that music's so simple, it's just one quarter away. It's like a meditation at some point. Yeah, but if you, it is. Yeah, it's almost like that. And, and I and I guess like I'll, I'll play that to practice now when it comes to like learning new stuff, just repetition uh, and yeah, time feel and stuff like that. You know, just working on it over and over until it kind of for me feels completely perfect. Uh, um, so so that that gig was a go on no sorry man it's hard with the delay because i don't know when you finished or stopped i know what what i was going to say sorry is uh there's a specific question here about your your practice kind of routine in relating to your your timing and your kind of phrasing um and it seems Mm. like your whole kind of way of approaching music is a bit more or or this is what i'm imagining it's a bit more organic than like maybe a practice routine as such because you know you're introduced to music you know, playing it on records and then playing in bands and just basically doing music. Uh, and mm. that's probably the most natural way to get into having good time. But I guess, you know, for younger guys who want to know how to play like Charlie or how to have good time, and, um, do you have any advice to those right. guys and girls who, yeah, like, are there any things you implement, like metronome or drum tracks into practice? Uh, I do practice with the metronome uh, quite often. Um just because it's kind of good, I think, to work on your kind of internal clock. I think a lot of people say that sometimes. I've heard people say like metro, you know, working with a metronome is like a crutch or something. And you take the metronome away, and it's hmm. it goes away. I don't, I don't believe that at all. I think I think a metronome develops your internal clock, your and, and your time, like your actual feel as well. Because if a metronome is just a regular pulse, hearing metronome on two and four as well, I can't stress that enough. That's really important. Um, uh, and practice, if you're just going to practice scales, right, try, you know, try to experiment with like where your note placement is. You know, is it, are you going to play laid back? Are you going to play right on top of the beat? Mm-hmm. 
but then I guess as well, I think probably that in terms of developing a, a solid kind of internal clock and keeping and sticking to a, and so you're able to stick with a drummer or stick with a track or whatever. Um, but playing with playing with good drummers, I think really helps. And I think that's that's not something that like, I've developed myself. I've just been fortunate to find myself in situations yeah. playing with good players um, who, I guess, it, I guess if your time feels good, you'll complement each other. In, yep. you know, especially if you're playing a certain type of rhythm guitar, mm -hmm. um, you know, where that, that lock is really important. Um, yeah. I will practice with, with drum tracks quite a lot. Uh, I discovered these, um, Bernard Purdy oh, records cool. that he put out in the yeah he put these these records out in the the early nineties they're both on Spotify um, and they're they're on YouTube and stuff like that I think as well um, and it's just half an hour of of him just in a studio just playing grooves oh wow what and what are the records called? it's all in there there's they're called they're called master I think they're called Master Drummers Volume One and Two just oh two great records. and you know cleverly released at you know i think they're like early 90s so kind of golden age hip-hop kind of yeah oh, um, sick. uh you know for all the all the you know producers to kind of chop up and sample yeah in. so yeah I'll, I'll stick those on play through a tune just to that you know to a backbeat or um you know just try sitting on a simple part and again repetition locking it in mm. those kind of things um cool one more thing, I guess, I guess, in terms of like phrasing, if we're going to touch on that time within phrasing, because I think that's a big thing that people probably often overlook when they talk about phrasing. I think a lot of, a lot of times people are about kind of note choice and perhaps like uh, tone. Whereas, whereas I think, um, you know, time obviously makes a huge part of that is, is playing with, uh, if you're learning new phrases or you're working on, you know, soloing that kind of thing uh taking taking one idea and repeating it in kind of as many different like rhythmic permutations as possible yeah. over a drum groove uh that is something that i've done a lot of and has really helped develop um i think time feel and it also just helps you get more mileage out of the stuff that you're already good at Absolutely. so if you've got a lick that you always play you know, everyone has that. Everyone has a few kind of, um, you know, solid ideas that they'll kind of always fall back onto. Uh, you might as well capitalize on that and, you know, get more out of them. Yeah, and I absolutely. think a lot, oftentimes you can do that by changing, you know, pulling rhythms around with it. So, um, but yeah, I guess those would be kind of my main things in terms of practicing time. But, uh, you know, I don't think there's any substitute for, playing with people playing gigs playing you know putting the time in on that front absolutely um, i think a lot of young yeah. guys are missing out on that these days just due to i mean obviously sure. the current situation is like making that difficult but there's um yeah you know a lot yeah. of younger guys are just looking to start a career online as opposed to you know maybe their first musical experience mm. is like making a beat in a bedroom and that's cool but um and then, you know, maybe soloing over the top of it. But, you know, there's so much to be said for just playing with real people, even if they're 
mm. not that great you know just like learning how to sit in on a groove that's maybe a bit like flumpy you know what i mean it's like it's all education right <clears throat> it is education and, and so that you know going back to those playing along to drum tracks that kind of thing you know find drum tracks on youtube or find you know somehow people have, yep. there's sample packs out loads of drummers put these out there like these days um and play over them you know because when you're when you're playing on your own or you're developing your own beats you get to set that that feel you get to play on a feel that you enjoy yep uh and everyone has that you know everyone has their kind of like preferred tempos speeds yeah. that kind of thing um that they can blow on and they feel really comfortable um but if you if you're working on on feels that you don't perhaps naturally gravitate to mm. it's just going to help you get more and more well-rounded in terms of rhythm and placement and you know feel i guess yeah man absolutely cool i mean that's yeah. that's a pretty hefty uh, hefty lesson there for those who are listening and wondering about playing you know groove-based music or just you know being able to sit in the pocket and you know, music is about rhythm largely, yeah. mostly. So it's like if you don't have good rhythm, then mostly, and mostly your stuff's just not gonna sound that great. Um, so I guess agreed. Yeah. Obviously, you know, we're in the same part of the world. We both know what's happening right now, and uh, regards to you know lockdown and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm curious, has lockdown afforded you the opportunity to get back in the shed more than maybe before when you were maybe working a bit more? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think at first, when it first kind of kicked in, I almost felt like almost at a loss of what to do because, <laughs> you know, you start see you, you go on Instagram or whatever and you see, you know, this, there's like some 17 year old blowing on giant steps you know, or some, <laughs> you know, whatever, maybe 30, you know, yeah. and I just, I didn't feel that inspired to start with. Uh, I kind of, I had, a, I had a tough kind of month, the first month, which is not what's the point but uh i kind of felt pressured felt to the do same, man. something which i'd already been I'm more yeah I, I, and, and i practice had never been something that was particularly hard for me to sit down and do i would find the time to you know and i would kind of get i wouldn't get like worried about it if i didn't play for a day but i i just want to pick it up yeah um um but it has yeah it definitely has afforded me more time to work on things that i you know have wanted to get better at for a while because uh, for, for me the things that take loads of time when, when i'm working a lot is is learning songs yeah. right you can lose you can lose weeks of time for me at least trying to learn songs for yeah. you know, gigs that i've got coming up or whatever um and whereas i really want to just you know if i want to work on a particular yeah, any particular aspect of my playing so i've been able to sort of focus on those and uh, one thing that I actually really have enjoyed from this whole lockdown thing and, and you know, I guess practicing is I, I've got into teaching, which I, I'd never really done a lot of before. I'd All taught right. people cool. who'd kind of see me at gigs or I'd taught, you know, people who'd contacted me on Instagram or whatever. Yeah. But that process of explaining, because quite often I'd have people asking me questions about, you know approaches that i particular approaches that i use uh or um concepts that i kind of use and what's funny is you don't well i had never vocalized these you know these right. concepts before 
And in doing that, you know, to, to answer these people's questions in their lessons has really helped. I feel like it's really helped me um, figure more stuff out um, in my own play because I cool. because I know I know how I do stuff. So um, yeah, it, yeah, got off a tangent there, but yeah, I have I have I've been putting some time in there. Oh, shit. great, man! What what kind of things have you been uh, practicing recently, then? Um, which is which has been what I'm practicing. Uh, I've been on a big, I've been on a big two five one tip the whole oh, time. Nice, just really trying to work on, yeah, just work on t- work on turnarounds, mm-hmm. um, and just sort of. So when I'm kind of, I guess I never, I, I'm not, I'm not good at having like a regimented practice routine. Right, I'll always kind of flow from one thing quite naturally to the next. Um, but if there's kind of one thing that's been a constant recently, it's been, yeah, it's been putting work in on two, five ones. You know? Cool, man. Can't go um, wrong with them. I mean, you got the best, kind of uh, new... yeah. best of all the kind of chord types, really. <laughs> yeah, just, I think it's having that kind of, and it's not just two, five ones, you know, other kind of yeah. ones as well, but it's that kind of, it's, I think, practicing resolution, uh, Cool. You know, certainly. Well, I, I, more specifically, I've been doing it in my lead playing, but like practicing any kind of resolution is going to be good for your improvisation because it's going to sound, you know, that whole. What am I trying to say here? Yeah, that resolving ideas is what's is the satisfying part of 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 kind of melody and and stuff like that. So so, I guess you know. Yeah, that's been kind of a big thing. Yeah, the, the kind of tension and release are like, you know, that's what makes music kind of exciting. And it's something that I find myself talking to students about a lot is, you know, the idea, mm. yeah, using tension to create release or using uh, resolution to, well, give a sense of resolution, you know. Mm, and it's, yeah, um, yeah. I think, yeah, that's another cool thing to just check out. Mm. But one thing I guess I'm wondering outside maybe outside of guitar in the last nine months or so are there any things you've learned uh about yourself that have kind of i don't know maybe changed the way you work or are as a musician because i know it's been you know crazy times for everybody yeah um i learned about myself uh that I'm, I think I'm quite good at putting unnecessary pressure on myself sometimes. <laughs> you know, it's, I think everyone does it as well. They see other yeah. people kind of doing something. Go, damn, I can't do that. Uh, and then, you know, like I was saying earlier on, at that, in that early part of lockdown, just not feeling inspired to do anything. And then seeing, you know, my friends or, or, or other people just like fully going in in the shed. Mm. Uh, and me just feeling not inspired at all, or, or even just like writing music, working on that kind of aspect, sitting there with a the guitar in my hands going, right, I'm going to write something today. I'm going to yeah. I'm gonna work on my own music or, or do something like that. And then just the ideas are just not there. And I'll, mm. I will get, I need to get better at it, but I will get, I'll beat myself up pretty hard about, you know, I'll feel pretty down if, I, yeah. if, I, if it's not going well, you know, in, in terms um on those terms so um i guess yeah something is to be kind of but what what always happens sorry just to finish off what always happens is it always kind of comes around eventually 
you know, I'll, I'll find a new album that I haven't listened to, or I'll listen right. to something that I haven't listened to in ages. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's usually what it is that breaks the cycle for me if I'm feeling uninspired right. in terms of practice or writing or just playing in general. It's mm-hmm. listening to something and going, oh, yeah, you know, this music's great, isn't it? You know, or, or that's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then that starts this whole kind of natural cycle again. Mm. Again, it's the, it. yeah, it's the duality, the tension release of, you know, tough times, easy yeah. times. It's, it's life, yin and yang. But um, yeah, I guess <laughs> now, now that, you know, nobody's playing gigs, at least in the UK right now, there's not really anything happening that I'm aware of. Um, I guess you've got time to reflect on some of the stuff you have done over the last 10 years or so. And I've had a few questions about this. And there's one from someone you might have played with before called Thomas William Taylor. Um, and he's kind of making a joke out of this. I'll, I'll let you know what that is once you've answered the question. But he's wondering, what is the best tour you've ever been on? And I guess generally people are asking about, you know, what's it like working with McNasty and all that? Uh, uh, well, tour, well, best tour I've been on. Um, that's kind of a loaded question from Tom. <laughs> Because he knows. Uh, right, we went right. on a tour. I toured with his old band. Uh, he used to be in a band called Hannah Williams and the Affirmations, which are a Bristol-based uh, soul band. You know, nine-piece oh, nine piece soul band. Brilliant stuff. Cool. Um, um, and I did a couple of tours, or a tour, kind of like a spread-out thing with them a couple of years ago. Mm. And it was European. We did. We spent some time in Holland, Germany, uh, uh, Belgium, and then a big chunk of it was spent literally just zigzagging across France. Right. You know, we nice. play, uh, we play, yeah, we play like Paris on one night, and then we'd be down in Marseille the next night, and then the next oh, night wow. after that, we'd be in some suburb on the outside of Paris or somewhere up in the north. You know, it was, and we did all the driving, you know, between the band. Uh, it was a really exciting tour. They'd been sampled by uh, Jay-Z uh, cool. on his album 444 uh, on the title track. Um, and it was just kind of really kicking off for that band at the time. And so the gigs were quite well attended. I mean, it was kind of club things, but yeah, it was a schlep. It was a, it was hard. That's what but he was, said. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was, a, it was, it was a fun tour though. So yeah, he, he literally my... used the word schlep as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I can hear him saying it. Yeah, I can hear him saying it. But that no, that was that was the most fun on the tour, I think. I oh, cool, man. What about your work with the McNasty's band? Because I know the music can be quite challenging that you're having to learn for gigs like that. How um, yeah. what's that like? So I mean it's a blast. I don't know if it, that probably comes across in the videos. We all yeah. have uh, a huge amount of fun doing that gig. Uh, um, I met I met Manasti within about a week of moving to London and wow. he really yeah he really kind of helped me settle in here mm. um, um, in terms of meeting people and playing with you know playing with some really great people but the gig itself is is a roast you know it can be <laughs> a lot of it is improvised in, or, or at least some of the sort of tangents we'll end up going off on are, are completely off the cuff. Um, right. And that gig is, mo- is mostly about listening to each other. You have, you, if you, the second you stop listening to 
him or any other of the players in the band, you're dead. Right. You'll be left behind. <laughs> um, so that, um, I guess that's, you know, one, one of the kind of big things playing with him. Um, and just being able to kind of um, switch on this kind of energy yep. to kind of match his or keep up with his, I should probably be about to say, yeah. um, uh, is was a big kind of uh, learning curve for me. Cool, um, but he, he, you know, when I'm on that gig specifically as a guitar player, he just wants pocket rhythm stuff. Right. Um, you're all, I'm, I guess I'm almost there as like a percussion player, really, uh, ah. with, you know, uh, with that kind of thing. So it's got to be super tight. But, you know, he and I just lock really yeah. well. Um, and, um, yeah, but, yeah, you've just got to stay on the ball with that gig. Cool. Um, Certainly looks yeah. like a lot of fun. It is fun. Yeah. yeah. Is cool, fun. man. Well, obviously, I mean, from my perspective, I've saw you do a lot of gigs with like other other artists, um, and a lot of sessions. I'm always seeing videos that you're recording, and you know, all that stuff sounds amazing, and it sounds like you. But can we, uh, the audience, expect to see a Charlie Allen record anytime in the future? Something uh, you got anything that you're cooking? It is, yeah. It's in the works. Um, cool. I've been writing a lot. I've been writing a lot, or I should just say, trying to write a lot. Sometimes uh, over the last six months, um, and I've, yeah, I've got ideas to kind of hopefully get something out early 2021. So awesome. Um, yeah, ne early next year. Um, it's been difficult finding out what it's going to sound like. I right. Think because I've done quite a varied amount of stuff now. Mm -hmm. What do I, you know, figuring out like, what do I want to, what do I want my music to sound like? Yeah. And I found it very easy to, I always find it very easy to make parts from other people's music. Uh, I have no problem yep. working that kind of thing out or working on music like collaboratively. But I've found it really tough the last few months trying to just mm. figure that one out. But I'm kind of, I'm getting there and, right. uh, and, yeah, I've, I've got a pretty clear idea of how that's going to be. Now. So just, what's, yeah, working towards that. So early what's the year. process yeah. looking like behind that then? Between Maybe your writing process it's, or... It's my, write, it's uh, my writing process? Yeah. I've, yeah, okay. Well, I, I feel like I have to have some kind of beat to kind of start me off with um, because... I don't know. I just find that on guitar, it's all so open-ended. I can just play. Uh, I guess it's like any guitar player or any musician kind of gets sick of themselves, hearing themselves play on their own. I, yeah. Me particularly. I find. So <laughs> I need to start with some kind of beat or um, uh, something else. Something I've been really enjoying recently is starting off writing on bass. Oh, cool. Uh, because it, it, it puts the guitar out of my hands. It's something that I'm not, uh, I'm not very like, I can't do what I'd like to be able to do on yeah, bass, yeah. you know, in terms of my technique and I haven't kind of got it there yet. So it helps me kind of, I guess, get out of my own head uh, when it comes to, you know, cause I feel like there's, you know, there's lots of pressure to write for me, at least I find myself putting pressure on myself. Like, Oh, is it, does it sound like, uh, Will it please this kind of person? Will it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I found that kind of difficult. Um, so when I pick up a guitar, I'm kind of, those thoughts are always in the back of my mind. Whereas when I pick up a bass, 
I just go like, what, what do I want to like? Literally, what do I want to hear right. on this thing? And I'll and I'll write something. Uh, I find oh, it cool. you know, comes out a little bit easier. Um, uh, that and just just listening to lots of music, just varied. Mm. You know, I think listening. Cool. So I guess part of your in terms of practice as well is just largely. Sorry, man. On you so, go. I've, yeah. I'm catching catching up with your audio. <laughs> All right. What I was going to ask is, um, just saying that. Yeah. Oh shit! <laughs> I can't catch up with you now. I'll tell you what, Charlie. You go. I'll I'll come in when you're finished. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, just saying. Uh, in terms of uh, listening, um, I guess we're kind of moving back to practice slightly here as well. But um, making time to listen to music um, has also been something that I've worked on kind of a lot over the last six months. Um, I guess the way people have, the way I've kind of, I used to, I used to kind of be obsessed with that kind of discovery of new music when I was younger, but it's all changed now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the kind of feeling being like, oh, I'll just listen to it later. You know, you know, it's out there, you know, right. it exists, yep. you'll find it another time. Um, uh, but this you know, taking actual time out of my day, half an hour, just to listen to something, usually before I go to bed, um, has helped big time in terms of writing and um, finding inspiration again. Cool. Um, yeah. That's cool, what man. I say about it. Great. What records have you been checking out lately? Is there anything you've come across that you've been like, it's just blowing your mind or something that you've I guess gone I've back just- to? Yeah, revisiting um, The Nightfly by Donald Fagan. Cool. That album is just, uh, my girlfriend bought me um, bought me it on vinyl for my birthday back in the summer, and it's just been on ever since. Because it's it's just incredible. The songs are amazing. It's kind of a fusion of all of the, you know, sorry, I hate that word. It's kind of like <laughs> a, a, a melding of all the, the, the kind of genres I enjoy. Uh, the kind of guitar playing on there is you know, it's all Larry Carlton pretty much I think mm-hmm. uh, and it's just masterful I think so um, yeah I've been really enjoying getting back into that um, uh, the new Leanne Havas album nice self-titled one yep great um, and um, the new well I say it's newish came out last year um, Brittany Howard you know, the, the uh, lady that used to front Alabama Shakes Oh yeah, uh, her, about. her solo record Jamie is so amazing. So ah, uh, yeah, I've never recently, been, that. yeah, um, it's kind of all productions ridiculous. The songs are amazing. They are uh, topical. They are mm-hmm. uh, deep, and she's she's a fabulous guitar player. Yeah, she, you know, it's all these kind of old kind of fuzzy. Uh, kind of garage rocky kind of tones fuzz pedal you know creaky yeah. little fuzz pedals and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then the touring band for that now is um you know guys from new york i think it's um brad alan williams on guitar who did some stuff with, <coughs> with Corey henry who used to do stuff yeah. with him um and then obviously nate smith on drums so and what i think band. it's the old bass player from, and rob glasper's in there and it's just a it's a ridiculous band oh wow glasper's so, on the keys 
Sick. He's on, on, I think on a couple of tracks in the album, and I think there's a live, there's a live session at a studio somewhere, and he's he's on he's on wow. keys. I need to check um, that record out. <clears throat> yeah, really, really good. Ah, oh, sick man, really cool. Well, I know for me that if even if I am in the zone creating music or just I feel like I'm putting out a lot of music or being creative, uh, I kind of need to do something else to balance that creativity. And I'm wondering mm. if you have anything else that you like to put your creativity into, you know, because I know you've done, you said you've done a degree in graphic design, right? Or design yeah. or something. Yeah. So it's, yeah. are there any things you do other than music to help you kind of be creative? Uh, I don't think it's so much creative. I don't really design anymore. Right. Uh, um, maybe I will get back into that one day, but I felt like, <clears throat> I felt like, guitar and, and music in general kind of satisfies that you know cre- my kind of my creative side i guess um uh, and anything else that i kind of do outside of that i love food I'm big into yeah. cooking um, uh-huh. um i'm pretty on it in terms of exercise as well you know physical exercise over lockdown i've just been you know i canceled my gym membership early on Right. Well, I didn't renew it. I guess I should say when they kind of <laughs> brought it back out. And I've been just doing like home workouts, that kind of thing, and just feeling, um, yeah, that's that helps me feel good. Yeah. Um, alongside, you know, everything else. But but no, I think creatively, music's enough for me, man. You know. Oh, cool. Do you notice a diff- like? Do you notice a a clear kind of what's the word? Uh, connection. I'm trying to show you with my hands a connection between uh, how consistent you are with exercise and and your creative output because i know for me that uh if i'm not getting movement in in some capacity you know exercise and yeah. uh i it my whole life becomes a wee bit sluggish i i i'm i'm with you on that i think um yeah for me if i even if it's just going out for like a walk you know yeah. when when it was really when it was you know the peak of lockdown here i would you know me and my girlfriend would try and get out for a walk every day even if we were you know doing a workout at home or whatever um i would you know just just to see some outside and move about a bit so yeah that and if i don't do that and if it's you know if i if i spend a few days really stuck up inside somewhere and i haven't you know haven't moved about a bit i will yeah i'll feel a bit sluggish and i'll feel a bit stifled i guess totally and it's hard to be creative when you feel like that isn't it Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it just doesn't seem to, doesn't seem to flow for me. Yeah. Um, cool, man. All right. Well, I have five questions I want to ask you before we wrap this up, right? Uh, they're, cool. they were going to be quick fire questions, but they don't have to be, uh, cause some of them are okay. kind of bigger questions. So the first <clears> question <throat> is, uh, one tip you could give to all guitarists, what would it be? Not as a teacher, just as a general sort of like, this is something you should all try. Um, learn parts, practice, you know, practice parts, rhythm parts, I think. Mm. Um, go in and, you know, learn some old Motown guitar parts or, or whatever kind of music you're into. Yeah. I think, you know, I'm guilty of doing it as well. And, you know, when you learn a song, you just kind of, you just get the chord chart up or whatever and you <laughs> you just play it however yeah. you want to play it but actually forcing yourself to um uh 
yeah, get inside the head and hands, I guess, of some you know, another player. Mm-hmm. I think is what kind of builds, you know, builds your vocabulary. Uh, I learned the intro to Josie by Stevie Dan this morning. Something oh, awesome! Like you know, I just, I, I feel like that's, uh, you know, little things like that, you know, because that's something I never write. You know, I'd never yeah, think yeah. of that. So, so that that kind of yeah, that would be my kind of top tip, I guess, in terms of awesome, cool. All right, do you have a favorite uh, live performance memory, anything specific that you think like, oh, that was top? Um, you know what? I don't think I do in terms of I just so many. There's a lot, yeah, and I. I I could never pick one really. I would struggle right, right. to do that. I think uh, um, everything is, I guess they're all different for all good, all the good ones I can think of, I guess, mm. are like, are, you know, good in different ways. Um, so, no, I can't really, I couldn't choose. I couldn't choose. That's fine. All right, great. Uh, number three, what album do you wish you could listen to for the first time again and have that raw experience? Um, wow, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think it would be, I think it would be either Paranoid by Black Sabbath. You know, as when I was a kid and I listened to that, it was yeah. just like, wow. Uh, or this is just going back to my roots or, or live and dangerous by thin Lizzy. I right. do remember that album being, I was a huge thin Lizzy fan when I was a kid. Oh. Uh, that album was completely mind blowing to me. Right. I actually haven't listened to it in ages. So it'll be, it'll be about as good as I'll be able to get if I go back and listen to that. Later. Maybe you should that, check out tonight then. Yeah. 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 <laughs> cool, man. All right. Can you give us three things that you think make the, uh, I kind of don't want to use this word perfect, but three things that you think make the perfect guitar solo. Uh, I guess time, time feel, um, uh, dynamics and and sound, I think, you know, it's not really so much about the notes you play. I don't think, you know, some of my favorite guitar solos are super basic. Yeah. It's more so about like the, no, maybe not sound. I guess maybe it's more just like, it's more about uh, energy or mm. uh, the intent that it's played with. Like yeah. That, those are the three things that really, I guess those things, those are three things that I look for when I hear guitar players, I guess. I want to hear intent i don't really care what they're playing in terms of is it is it intelligent is it this that or the other i want to hear like somebody who really means it (laughs) i guess off of the back of that um this wasn't a question i had planned but who are like your top three guitar players right now as well right now uh well robin ford is always just somebody i'll just forever go back to Mm-hmm. certainly the the live stuff for me he's always uh always a source of inspiration um great sound great he's wicked time you know yep. great time feel um um and phrasing uh mm-hmm. certainly if you can check out any of like the early 
there's some live blue line gigs Robin Ford and the blue right. line uh, which have kind of recently popped up on YouTube which are mm. just you know, really good um, cool. so Robin um, John Schofield oh, these yeah. are all boring choices in terms of like you know everyone knows about them but they're, they're someone know, so someone won and they'll have a, an amazing experience listening yeah, to them yeah just let you know just check out any sco maybe a go go is a good place to start i guess yeah have you checked um, out his record uh with pat Matheny? the i can see your house from here i actually no that's is that's that's quite new isn't it is that right oh i don't think it's new but it's got the tune, no? the, the red one it goes it's really cool don't man. know don't know check I'll it, check out. it out yeah yeah um and then I guess, uh, and George Benson, man. early George Benson. Yeah. Uh, George Benson, I think it was probably the first jazz guitar player that I went. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah. My dad's a big George Benson fan and got some of his records here actually, but, but oh, nice. his, for me, checking out those early albums, the George Benson quartet, um, cookbook album, mm-hmm. um, and then that album, is it New Boss Guitar? Yeah, I think that's New it. New Boss Guitar, yeah. Like those early things where he's doing that kind of soul jazz thing. Mm-hmm. That was before and he started cool. singing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's the thing I've always just loved about his playing is it's just super bluesy. Yeah. Uh, and he gets away with it because it's... It's George Benson. It. <laughs> it's just George Benson. Like he can, thing is he can, you know, obviously he can, he can blow on ballads and standards changes that kind of thing mm-hmm. but there's one video on youtube where he's i think it's like george benson plays blues on rhythm changes i've saw that it's yep. just ridiculous it's great and it's and it's and that's the thing that's like going back to like all those things that kind of stick out to me in a solo it's not necessarily about him nailing all the chords mm-hmm. it's the it's the feel and the and the, the emotion which it's done with you know he, he just feels super bluesy on those things and that's where his phrasing really shines for me so yeah, yeah those are my those are probably my top three at all time i can always listen to those three amazing all right um, great one final question charlie um if you could i've kind of asked this in guitarist way but to all musicians if you could pass on one kind of piece of advice for them what would it be all, anybody uh, piece of advice for all musicians yeah anybody young um, old just something that you find valuable that you want to pass on be really nice and and work on your rhythm like work on your time fit <laughs> awesome yeah all right well i know what i'm gonna go and uh, go and practice now i'm just gonna find a groove and i'm just gonna sit on it for hours <laughs> i hope you all enjoyed episode 18 i know i did and yeah i look forward to seeing you again in episode 19 on the two episodes left in this season well they're gonna be good ones i'll see you then bye